Welcome everyone to your WandaVision podcast by Fantastic Geek, the official unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt and joining me as always is Pete. Hello Pete. We got a full clown car. The WandaVision podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode four we interrupt this program is brought to you by the Eastview Chamber of Commerce. Forget that other side. Pete, before we dive on in, want to mention that uh, there was an article on the Asbury Park Press website. It was noting that uh, series creator and <coughs> head writer, because Marvel doesn't call them showrunners, um, but head writer Jack Schaefer, uh, some of the uh, the comedic and writing decisions that she makes uh, may have been informed by her own time in New Jersey, specifically, Pete, I don't know if you've heard of it, Princeton University in the New Jersey. Yes, of course. And this, Matt, what we what we tend to get the the local coverage, we, of course, a podcast that originates in New Jersey, a.k.a. Westview. Indeed, Pete, we in the 732 area code as well, uh, although, Pete, I have to point out, early fact here from this week's episode, uh, Westview off of Route 2 that does not intersect with uh, the 732 area code, at least in our universe, proof that what we're watching, Pete, is indeed the MCU. More discussion about Route 2 in a little bit, but again, welcome to all our new listeners, subscribers, Okay, everything that we do, you can find either through Apple Podcasts or FantasticGeek.com, including our forthcoming Falcon and the Winter Soldier feed. Yes, stay tuned for that, indeed, as we talk about an episode that encourages us to stay tuned. Here's the story of a lovely lady. Pete, what's the story? Dialogue between Maria Rambo, young Monica, and Carol Danvers about uh, Maria not leaving uh, as particles merge and form Lieutenant Trouble that has just come out of Captain Marvel's mouth, who takes a deep breath, sitting in her chair. Now her hands materialize out of, wait, is that dust? And it's apparent she's in a hospital, an empty, made-up bed next to her. Off-screen, objects crash and people scream. Monica runs into the hallway where a couple of people come back right before her eyes. And a doctor tells her they don't have the capacity. She asks a man in scrubs about the patient in room 104, but he needs a phone to call his wife it's absolute bedlam in the hospital hallway, and Monica collides with another rematerializing person at the nurse's station. The camera work in this hallway portion is so superb. It's difficult to tell what is shaky for the sake of being shaky and what is being used to hide cuts. I'm usually pretty good at this stuff, Pete, and I went back and looked, and, and you just can't tell, which, you know, obviously this is a huge special effects thing here with people rematerializing and whatnot but just a great introduction the chaos of it all indeed pete the contrast compared to the rather silly and upbeat um blip that we saw in spider-man far from home not that i'm saying this is better or worse it's just it's just different different perspective 
Finally, Pete, Dr. Harley finds Monica. Where's mom? Everything was okay. The The margins were clear. Uh, Monica is told that mom died uh, and and that some great shock and if you weren't clear on who's who we have monica going over to the nurse's station get me more information on maria rambo maria rambo so again most fans out there well ahead of this knew that this is monica rambo grown-up lieutenant trouble and so forth but marvel keeps everybody in the tour group together as it hammers home in a way pete that does not feel like i'm being hammered over the head with exposition but they've got to be mistaken, Matt. They were ready to discharge her. Dr. Harley explains the cancer came back. Your mother died three years ago, which was two years after you disappeared. There's a great pause for reaction as we let that sink in. And then, Pete, I noticed on the rewatch, indeed, on my TV versus my headphones. The TV speaker is a little bit better. There's a very satisfying thud uh, that bridges the music from the scene to the introduction of the Marvel Studios logo and fanfare. Uh, a small detail, but just, you know, A, it's an audio bridge, and B, it's just like, can you imagine, you know, unless you're Star War Star Lord, you really can't, can you imagine being in this situation? Um, it's a challenging moment, deserving of the thud. After the studio's logo... We get the the expansive exterior of Sword Headquarters. That's your sentient weapon observation response division. Uh, and news about the return, the blip, as some people are calling it, is playing in the background in the giant screens above the, the kind of entrance atrium there. And Pete, some people online, angry, angry that Sword would have an open, expansive, naturally lit atrium. Clearly, this is a ripoff from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., right? I mean, come on now. <laughs> that they Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. pioneered the idea of a glass, expansive atrium to lead to a large building. Uh, it's never been done before. Never been done. Except not really. Captain Monica Rambeau here scans her card, but it won't work. She's called over by a male receptionist who says who she tells she works there. But he says if she did, her badge would work. Uh, she tells him she has a meeting when she's interrupted by this guy, acting director Tyler Hayward. He notes that she hasn't aged a day and he looks old as hell. Uh, they pass a number of plaques and the camera stops on one for Maria Photon Rambo. And obviously he, you know, it being his introduction on screen, of course, he's going to get named. So it's all very, very clear. Uh, again, though, the fact that he says, you are Captain Monica Rambo. Just one more opportunity, as I said, for for this Marvel story to keep everybody together, clear who she is and so forth. Uh, we again I'm amazed Pete at the exposition here that just seems it's not just effortless it is it is just smooth as the cold side of the pillow uh, it's been three weeks since the blip the astronaut program is largely on hold they've been focusing much more lately on nanotech which is a I think a friendly gripe that many people have about the MCU in general that like remember when they used to hand fashion stuff now Hand wave, it's all just nanotech. And when you need to see Tom Holland's cute face, he just nanotechs the mask away so you can see your star on screen. Uh, but I digress, Pete. 
Monica reminds the boss that uh, there's always been threats and allies, you know, up there in space and whatnot. Uh, and indeed, we get a little bit more exposition about Mom helping make Sword and how Monica grew up in these, uh, in, I won't say confines, Pete, because there's a there's a spirit of freedom, but grew up at the place. Yes, and that Monica should have been there to help him uh, as a replacement was named for her mother. Uh, but he wants to get her back out there and in his office it suddenly turns here to the FBI working a miss, missing persons case up in New Jersey. Uh, they have requested use of one of Sword's imaging drones, and he needs her to chaperone it, uh, even though drones normally chaperone her. Uh, she says she's good, but he tells her she's grounded. Terrestrial missions only. Uh, but wait for how long whose protocol is this nothing like getting grounded from the grave by your mother matt and all of this is a very very smart way to take this superstar rock star agent daughter of the former director nay can we infer maybe daughter of the former founder co-founder whatever it might be but it's a great way to take monica rambeau and to give her this apparently small potatoes mission otherwise she just wouldn't be there it's just again it's so effortless uh and i even like how uh how hayward basically gives her a rock and a hard place decision although he smooth sells it she could take more time or she could do the favor of doing the job that he has assigned to her um and it's not even with kind of the slight attitude that i'm giving uh if anything it's a credit to the writing and a credit to the director as a character that it's like Huh, if you're reluctant on this, then your choice is more couch time. Otherwise, go check this thing out so we can start to make sure all is well with you. There was the positive, he lists, of course, that uh, her mother believed she would return. So there's the emotional baton pass there as well. To the Garden State, Matt, and Route 2 uh, south, exit 32 Westview. Side note, uh, Route 2 no longer exists. However, it was in northeastern New Jersey. Uh, at the Westview city limits here, Monica pulls up to meet FBI agent James E. Wu and his magic. Yes, Pete, there was, how shall I say this charitably, there was much patting on the back as people figured out the secret that his card reveal was actually a reference to Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah, we get it. It was. Um, He's after a witness who is in witness protection, but no one who knows the witness seems to know them anymore. He flew from Oakland to poke around. That's when he found a new wrinkle. He takes Monica to see the sheriff. Uh, Indeed, Pete, the sheriff of Eastview. Uh, I I thought sheriffs in New Jersey were county-based, But again, Our World versus MCU, I'll allow it. Uh, But the sheriff and his cohort are standing next to the Westview sign, you know, welcome to Westview and such. Uh, The sheriff tells uh, this G-man here once again, there is no such place as Westview. Oh, by the way, he's from Eastview. Yeah, and Wu dismisses them that they will uh, be in touch if they need any assistance 
Uh, Wu explains to uh, Rambo here. He's pulled the phone number for all residents. He's through the D's, and so far he's got diddly squat, so he can't get in touch with anyone inside. Everyone outside has some sort of selective amnesia. Uh, it's not a missing persons case, but a missing town, population 3,892. It also won't let Wu go inside to investigate. He says that she can feel it too. She gets her helicopter-looking drone ready, and I appreciate the design, Matt, of the drone in that, you know, from the perspective of the ground, it would just seem like, well, that's a helicopter. It's a tiny helicopter, but you're still going to see a helicopter from the ground and not something unsettling. And indeed, it has the red paint. It's got the uh, serial number, the tail number, S57. Um, and all of this uh, leads Wu to wondering, or pardon me, Mo Monica wonders why Wu and her alike know about Westview uh, when obviously others seem to have forgotten it. Is this an issue of radius or, or no personal connection? Uh, Pete, it's almost like they're saying to podcasters when you get to the theory segment make sure that you ask is it an issue of radius or no personal connection uh she launches the drone and suddenly it disappears she goes to check it uh agent Wu saying no don't get too close watch out she touches it again and gets sucked in and with that pete time has passed it's 24 hours later and what's going on We've got a black truck here, which we come to realize rather quickly contains Darcy Lewis and three others. She asks a bespectacled man his field, but he says they're not supposed to talk to one another. He must be the Boy Scout leader. The woman next to him is nuclear biology. The bald man next to Darcy is artificial intelligence to her astrophysics. That full clown car here, whatever sword uh, is investigating. They have no idea what it's dealing with. Uh, Glasses is a chemical engineer, but Darcy says now that nobody cares. And as they arrive, and the back of the truck opens to the sword response base outside Westview, we have Hayward giving orders to check on a hutch. We see, of course, all of this activity which has uh, transpired in the last 24 hours. Uh, more drones are sent in, Nada as well, as we're going to find out shortly. Um, it is confirmed uh, that she is Dr. Lewis now. So just like that, some great exposition here. Uh, she's ultimately brought into the mobile command area. Uh, she gets told by her handler that the drone data is classified, and she immediately intuits that nothing is coming back. Uh, all of these different divisions, it's, you, you've got SWORD, Air Force, FBI, and so forth. They're all working on it. Uh, Space Command. Space Command, indeed, Pete. It, it survived. Uh, everyone's on the case, but still, again, she has concluded uh, nobody has an, uh, has an operational plan here. Oh, she would like some coffee. Uh, no coffee ultimately delivered. Pete, I appreciate that the show, through the acting... Uh, and perhaps acting alone suggests that her handler looks down on her a little bit. Um, and the fact that she, um, she knows it too, but she stays focused on the, uh, focused on the task at hand, indeed proving each time that she's probably, uh, if not definitely the smartest one in the room, it's 
it, it's all just it, it's amazing how much is going on at the same time and how we get that whiff of whether it's most likely sexism or ageism or whatever it is it's it's there uh, but the episode doesn't need to linger on it but you still see it told to make her assessment here matt she turns on her equipment and gets a colossal amount of cmbr that's cosmic microwave background radiation to you and me uh the man says they've been told that the radiation is within a safe limit and it is for now uh she finds longer wavelengths superimposed over the noise she gets out a physioscope and begins to see WandaVision just like we have, Matt, for three weeks, and she needs an old TV. Not a flat one. Oof, Pete, do you remember when old TVs were just called TVs? <laughs> uh, later uh, that night, perhaps, a man in a biohazard suit is uh, getting ready to, to go down to the sewers. Uh, he is revealed to be Agent Franklin, and we're going to circle back to him. Uh, but quickly, we, we move to Wu telling Hayward that he's not confident he, Wu, um, is not confident about the outcome of this at all. Whatever this field fence wall is, no reason to suspect that it's not underground. Hayward saying no reason to suspect that it does. Uh, Hayward wonders if maybe someone back in Quantico misses him, the subtlety being, you're annoying, can you leave? And Pete Wu's response is funny and sad at the same time. No one misses him back in Quantico because softball season's over. <laughs> We've got radar, lidar, sodar, and infrared up the hexagonal shape of the area it seems matt and then hayward's looking for a useful visual when he overhears canned laughter of a studio audience on a tv they find darcy watching wandavision episode one and it looks like uh wanda and uh darcy notes that vision is dead not blipped um she updates Hayward on the relic radiation dating back to the Big Bang and entwined is a broadcast frequency here. Wu asks uh, why the universe has created a sitcom starring two Avengers. Almost like, Matt, they had a discussion in the writer's room. What will people make of this unusual presentation? Uh, and that he, Hayward, asks for transport back to HQ uh, and checks that Darcy uh, is recording this. She never stopped. He needs immediate analysis. Wu compliments Darcy on her great work. Can she get that coffee now? I love that though she gives no answers, or though she's unable to give answers to Hayward as to where this is, whether it's recorded, whether it's fabricated, uh, A, she's confident enough to say no answer, no answer, no answer, but again, the kind of the understated um, notion that, well, she's the only one who's followed a valuable thread here because all those other people, Pete, I didn't see anybody playing Galaga, but if they were, even you over there playing Galaga, nobody else has gotten anywhere with all the other options. With that, Wu calls for some analysis of what they're seeing, uh, and we get a quick cut of, uh, of Darcy taking notes as we saw her doing at the end of our episode one. 
which is to say it's separate from the in-universe show. Later still, Wu is looking to ID people in the anomaly. Uh, they end up identifying the boss and his wife, neighbor Norm. We got Jones ID'd, Bev and Herb too. I'm sure, Pete, we will be talking about the people uh, henceforth not identified. Um, later still, Monica is noticed in the show. Uh, it, to my eyes, Pete, it's a new scene or maybe something out of out of the credits. The um, foreground, uh, and actually there is a there is an error in this description. Yeah, does it involve the decades? It does. So uh, this is actually the scene where uh, they're in the sixties. It's the second episode, um, and uh, yeah, she's in the foreground there, panned back like she was there all along. We just never saw her. Add to that, Pete, something that I found a little mind-blowing in thinking about this episode. We know that the sitcom stuff was shot in Georgia. We can assume that the uh, many of the kind of general exteriors, i.e. in the field, i.e. outside, uh, you know, like by the side of the road outside West Westview, we can assume that a lot of that was shot in Georgia as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know that a lot of the uh, sitcom neighborhood stuff was shot, shot in California, uh, it was always intended to be. It happened to be after they took a little production break, which was scheduled. The unscheduled part was, you know, this lengthy break due to COVID. But just get your head wrapped around this, Pete. Here's my point. Uh, Franklin, in the in the uh, hazmat slash beekeeper outfit, and indeed, I would assume many of these scenes that we're seeing here were all filmed, I'm assuming, in Georgia. But portions of it were filmed months and months and months and months later in California, so we're, we're literally seeing things from two different time periods, which I know is how many stuff is shot, but just to get your head wrapped around, they finished shooting most of this episode, but not all of it, until much more recently. Yeah, and to expect again that these answers would come, that things would be pieced together, that all of this would take shape, Matt, I mean, it's not surprising given with Marvel Studios and all. Ultimately, though, uh, we have, as mentioned, Monica is seen uh, and seen as a, a background person, although she is in the foreground, but background in a, in a, in a story sense. Uh, is this an alternate reality? Is it time travel? Darcy has no answers, saying simply, it's a sitcom. Is this Pete where she says it's a 50s sitcom? Yes. Um, I, so maybe, Matt, the explanation might be, okay, you guys are watching this on a TV, stuff we're gonna film and it's from the 1950s and okay it was the next decade up but it's a forgivable error and i would also say while it is very suggestive of a production error it also could be oh maybe darcy since there hasn't been a switch to color and because the styles are similar and it's very presumably the beginning of of episode you know internal episode two that she's watching she may have just made a mistake regardless though she has an idea darcy does transmit a radio signal into one of the show radios pete woo will rock the mic um and and he does although not to much effect yes and where we have the most interesting takes of this episode beyond of course the calamity of the the blipping back in and exploring that aspect and side note that is not done where 
Marvel Studios is concerned. More on that later. Uh, we have the gray spaces of what we've seen before. So the help me Wanda sequence there at the pool club. Uh, and of course, Wu speaking over that Darcy uh, watching from inside here um, and in between the uh, aspect of the sword drone, but in color. Yeah. And uh, obviously meant to be the connective tissue, the explanation. I mean, heck Pete, there's the lion. Oh, that looks like the sword drone. It's a retro version of the sword drone. So again, um, it's just so interesting to think, as you said, Pete, in the writer's room, in, in, the, in the whole production, there must have been so much discussion back and forth. How do we make sure that people are hooked in the right amount? Not, this is too confusing, not, this is too weird. I think there's been a little bit of that, but overall, you know, reception has been, this is the episode I've been hungering for after they've been teasing us for the first three episodes. But ultimately, with this radio plan, we uh, see Wu speaking uh, to Wanda and uh, Dottie in the mix there. It's the, the poolside scene, although I must confess, Pete, I don't know that most people called it the pool club when we first uh, first saw what was what. Uh, but ultimately, Wu radios in. He keeps trying. Wanda hears. Now, we, of course, remember this shocking scene. But the show, the in-universe show, just jumps from... You know, Monica, uh, pardon me, from Wanda's reaction to the memorable line about getting a blood stain out of a linen. Uh, and interestingly, Pete Darcy just waves all of this off as a mission failure. Yeah, and right into the Strucker watch commercial there. So they're getting those at, at home as well. We cut to Franklin in the sewer over the radio. He's told he's about five meters outside the perimeter. And once he enters, the suit changes over to the beekeeper. His cable uh, turns into a jump rope and then comes off. Uh, they crank it back and Hayward holds it uh, curiously in his hands there. Comes out of the sewer and then changes to black and white where he sees Wanda and Vision from his perspective. We get the no and then no more. Uh, one gets the sense that more time passes than we are in the 70s era of the show. I think, Pete, uh, internally we are still seeing one decade per 24 hours, 24 hour slice or so. There's a little bit of a wiggling of it, but it, it's basically lining up. Uh, Darcy is enjoying the show that she's watching, as is Wu. Uh, there's the reference... Again, they, they give all these great non-sequiturs to Jimmy Woo. Here it's, you know, would he like one? And it's blocked in a way where you can see she's talking about the chip, but she doesn't turn to him and say, would you like a chip? Nor does she hold the bag out. That gives Woo the opportunity to think about a little Jimmy Woo, get him a plastic FBI badge. Oh, wait, it's the chip. Oh, wait, talking more about babies. Got the one than the other. Twins. What a twist. But wait a minute, Matt. Did Monica just say Ultron? Has that happened before? A reference to our, their reality? No, it has not, Darcy explains. Uh, and Wanda tells her that she should leave, asks who she is. This is different, Darcy notes. And then we get the cut to the credits of the couple sitting on the couch with 
the children. Uh, wait, what happened? Where did she go? Darcy rewinds back to the who are you? Same strange cut. There's nothing there. Somebody is censoring the broadcast. Where is Rambo? And the alarms blare that the boundary has been breached. Push us into the TV, Matt, where my camera widens. Yes, and this is a particularly inspired moment. I think we understand the the language of uh, what Darcy and Jimmy are watching in terms of the things that are being censored blip away, cut away, no, no blip pun intended. Uh, however, it's time for us to see it. So to remove any confusion of, wait, did our heroes just see that too? They're literally away from the TV uh, as... You mentioned, Pete, the camera moves into the show, kind of spreads out with the widescreen aspect ratio. I would even wonder, Pete, I know that much has been made, at least for the first couple episodes, how director Matt Shackman uh, not just kind of meant to emulate the sitcom style. It was tracking down lenses and, and things of that sort to really sell it. And this looks like a different world here when we see it in widescreen movie camera reality. Uh, we have now this scene replaying with the truest version, Wanda asking Monica who she is. Uh, Wanda knows about Ultron. Um, that much is made clear, so it's not a complete memory wipe or something like that. Um, but she's not sure how her quote-unquote neighbor knew. She starts to charge up her magic there and ultimately blasts this stranger and outsider uh, out after telling her to leave and blasts Monica through one two walls and a fence then out the barrier uh we stay with wanda who looks happy then shocked at the damage she quickly magics the damage away just in time for vision to return hey where is geraldine outside we have monica in the grass at night we have the cars pull up back into the show we have the uh, explanation we've gotten before uh by wanda to vision that uh monica that geraldine had to rush home vision however is out of focus and on repeated viewings it becomes much more apparent uh she turns and his head is missing the mind stone in that uh gray color right after uh thanos picked it out you know his second death uh wanda sees this and gasps what what is it what's wrong uh but quickly he is back to color and health um shades of the beginning of infinity war uh the converse the discussion here that uh they don't have to stay as opposed to in Scotland, uh, where uh, Vision was talking about them staying together. Um, they could go wherever they want. No, they can't, Wanda says. This is their home. Uh, but don't worry, darling. She has everything under control. Back to Monica on the ground. Wu and Darcy run up. And the disclosure from her, it's Wanda. It's all Wanda. Uh, as Wanda picks up the baby, what should we watch tonight? And all of that, as we cut back to Wanda to conclude the episode, 
we're still in widescreen and uh, each parent takes a child they're uh they're about to watch tv vision looking confused and uncomfortable pete something left over from last week we need to talk about in the theories segment but we'll get to that in a moment his look of uh of discomfort disappears as he smiles at her and then the widescreen closes in pete taking you back to ferris bueller here much like a prison as the walls close in and they settle into more tv to end the episode what's the deal with this episode pete something that got some great online chatter from uh last week that i want to revisit in part because this episode nicely lets us revisit last week's episode uh vision is told outside of the house uh told by agnes that uh that geraldine has no home then when he goes inside He's told last week and this week that Geraldine has gone home. So between that interaction and then you add to it his look of discomfort. I know that we've seen him now reround twice. Uh, once with the beekeeper scene and then once last week uh, when he started to have some some obvious questioning of reality. This has not been questioned this time. Or, or at least Wanda's not aware of it. So where do we stand with Vision's growing sense of truth? Well, he seems to definitely be uh, becoming conscious to it. It's that blink of the eyes and the smile at the end of this episode that makes that fully apparent. Um, so you can only imagine that as we move forward, that's going to be a sense of tension within the quote-unquote show. Monica wears a sword field uniform going in. Uh, I will mention, by the way, Pete, going in, it's kind of mostly blue, or much of it is blue. Obviously, the 70s version, she comes out, it's mostly blue, so I don't know if that's meant to be a carryover, and if we can infer that in the black and white episode, she was wearing blue as well. But your thoughts there that her exit keeps her clothing, her hair, her makeup from the 70s. What can we infer from that? I mean, not a terrible amount in that, okay, Wanda is manipulating what goes on inside this hexagonal area. Uh, and then if you leave it, much like the cable turned into a colorful jump rope of the era, that, you know, we're not going to change your clothing back, that you're still going to be appearing the way that you were inside of it. So in my mind, those are some big red flags to say the reality that's in there can spill out. I'll connect the jump yeah. rope. I'll connect the clothing with uh, with the statement that, you know, the radiation is at safe levels for now. Right. And the idea, too, that, OK, so this is a corpse of vision. Um, that much is clear in that his body uh, and again, some hashing out. All right. Captain America went back with the stones in Endgame to place them in all the different places. He showed up as an old man. He spent the rest of his time with Peggy Carter, etc., etc. But uh, where did the Mind Stone go? Did that go back into Vision? Uh, ergo, where did Wanda get these powers if all those stones went back? They, of course, also products of that. So the branching realities, but the holdover aspects 
of them. So I have a bunch of interconnected questions here about Jimmy Woo, and I'll start with this. It was very conspicuous to me on repeat viewing that Jimmy, who let's not forget, is there to find somebody. I'm going to be asking in a minute who you think that somebody is, but he is not there to witness the scene uh, between um, Wanda and Dottie where he radios on in, you know, Wanda, can you hear me? Who's doing this to you, etc. He intuits that Dottie is a real person, although has not put eyes on her, at least as far as we've seen. Pete, is Dottie real or not? If we can trust the dialogue, and I suspect greatly that we can, he says that his witness is male. Uh, he specifically says that he uh, has gone off the grid there. So I suspect no. Dottie not ID'd. Agnes also, uh, also not ID'd. And in, indeed, Pete, I was going back and forth. The, the preview for this episode that hit YouTube midweek um, had, amongst other things, the uh, the not the whiteboard scene, although I'm sure we'll dig into the whiteboard in a little bit, but the, you know, the ID scene, here are the pictures, here are the printouts of their, uh, their driver's licenses. And when I saw that, when everybody saw that, they said, oh, look, it's proof that uh, Agnes is not real or Agnes is not from the town, whatever it might be. Then I went back, I took a look at it and I said, well, but look, she has this lengthy file that's up there. So that means that she is. And then ultimately it was like, well, we can't read the file. The file could just be describing everything that the show has shown about her so debate there um why do you think pete agnes has not been id'd by the joint task force well i mean they've id'd her on the show uh, this why have they not put an identity to her because she's not showing up anywhere just yet um and do you have let me do this way have we met in this show or ever before have we met Wu's witness in witness protection program I can't fully answer that. Wow. Uh, what theories do you have? So we have to discuss the episode titles of WandaVision. Specifically, episode one, episode two, which later got episode titles. It was later that first week. Uh, the third episode had its title when it was first available on Disney+. Plus. This episode, and I watched it, you watched it roughly the uh, same time. This was not made available for press. Um, did not bear an episode title. Then, hours later, had an episode title. What is going on with that? Until there is further pattern, here's what I will assume. I mean, we've seen this with Mandalorian and with WandaVision. So this is not just a Marvel thing. This is a Disney Plus thing. I'm going to assume that the lack of titles for Premiere Week, uh, Mandalorian had the one that dropped on the Tuesday, and then um, with the second episode, the titles came, I believe. Oh, yeah, because it had a title on screen. Um, I'm going to assume that this is a Premiere Week thing where they don't give you an episode title. I'm going to assume that Episode 3... Um, being uh, assigned a title from the get-go that that was intentional uh in part because it was you know, clearly done here's where here, here's pete wrong and take a little bit of a guess i'm going to assume that the addition of a title mere hours after launch that that that, that the lack of a title at the 
you know, overnight um, posting. I'm going to assume that that was a mistake. And when when it got noticed in the wee hours of the morning uh, on the West Coast, then the right thing was put there. Time will tell. Um, obviously, we'll see if the next episode and the next and the next post uh, overnight with just the the episode title, you know, or the episode number rather. Um, Pete, maybe I'll be slightly not quite pessimistic, but maybe it was done to stoke conversation by those geniuses at at uh, Disney marketing. You know, give them something at three a.m., then at seven, eight, nine a.m., change it ever so slightly so people go, "Oh man," you know. Um, but I I feel like that's probably not the case because it's a bit confusing. I would bet that we're gonna see all the rest of the episodes get uh, get posted with their title names at. 3 a.m. Eastern, and, and that's that. I don't know. I mean, could there be a, a big one towards the end that that holds that back at least initially? You know, episode nine, the one with insert Avengers character or whomever, we'll have to see. But it definitely bears watching. Um, so the big beginning here, Matt, the. Uh, reappearing whatever we're going to call it you know the, the the blip being leaving and then coming back so two sides of that across five years um never imagined we'd get to see conscious people coming back in that was all done off screen um and noting too that it's potentially as problematic as the disappearing itself of people suddenly rematerializing i mean uh monica seems to have drifted off she was asleep at her mother's bedside um we know from uh peter parker saying that you know he 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 felt that he was going and you know a couple minutes and boom it's five years um but this is something that uh falcon and the winter soldier actually put out there this week that they will continue to investigate this phenomenon so we're not done seeing people reappearing and the idea of what happens as they reappear remember of course that both of those titular characters also blipped out i know that uh on the commentary track for endgame uh joe and anthony russo and uh christopher marcus and stephen mcfeely being the ones uh, quarterbacking that, um, they tossed around a little bit, you know, fans have said, but what about the people who got dusted who were on an airplane? And kind of right. their general response was part of the wish that was made could have been not just come back to where you were, could have been come back to safety. Um, I think, too, they get to kind of say that having completed all of Endgame, and it's a fascinating commentary track to listen to because they're very candid about, uh, I'll put it into my words, not theirs, but I think it, it, it captures the sentiment that basically this movie this movie was a mess at many, many, many points, and there's a reason why Marcus and McFeely worked on this every day, not just to lead up to a shooting script, but every day uh, henceforth, because there was a whole bunch of stuff that didn't make sense until you knocked it into sense. Uh, as evidenced by the fact that the I am Iron Man line was done in reshoots. Like they didn't have the awesome ending and blah, blah, right. blah. But I digress. Point being, it's 
it's all well and good for them to say, oh, and we just assume everything worked out okay or okay enough. And I'm not complaining. That's how you solve your writing problem for Endgame. And when somebody says, but what? And then they say, oh, it was all okay. It's interesting to see here. I mean, yes, we're not going back to a person in the midst of a, 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 a of a surgical procedure now all of a sudden is in an empty OR. Because, again, the magic of it is saying, oh, everybody came back okay. But you can see the chaos of it. And it's it's a great counterpoint to what we saw in Far From Home where it's like, and the marching band's partially back. And that was kind of weird. And it's all kind of a shared happiness and shared crisis like somebody appeared in the house that had been the apartment that had been sold or whatever aunt may said like this is really leaning into in the moment yes you're glad people are back but in the moment of it it's this overwhelming uh overrun of chaos and people and pete i can't imagine what it's like to live in a situation like that and i think so brilliantly done we're seeing monica the immediate assumption is she's coming back having been inside the show, within the show. And then this realization, well, oh, they're doing it. They're doing it. Oh, my God, they're doing it. And whereas this is the first time we've seen the reappearance of people mimicking how they blipped out, not all at once at different times in different places, so I'm really anticipating seeing more of this. Your point about the, the commentary track, I think, is, is well made. But what about the people who were on an airplane? Well, guess what we're never going to see, Matt? The people who were on an airplane blip out and that, that airplane was in the exact same place when they blip back in. No, again, how writing works is you solve that problem. You don't, you don't go there. You don't tell those stories. Uh, the stories that Marvel Studios is intent on telling from this enormous event that has taken place is the reacclimation after the blip. We've seen that in uh, Spider-Man Far From Home. We've seen that uh, now in WandaVision. So not only uh, uh, Monica reacclimating, okay, going back to S.W.O.R.D., first one back okay hero the right stuff all of that but let's remember too wanda is a shade over three weeks back from the blip and now has created this reality entirely unto herself with vision's corpse so she's gotten it she's gone to westview she's created this so this is a story about post-traumatic stress. Let me build on top of that by asking Pete, does, through these first four episodes, can we now look back and say Wanda is the villain of this piece? And follow-up question, we know that Feige has said for Doctor Strange 2, uh, the villain is going to be someone close to us or something like that. And when it was said way back when, people said, oh, oh. It's Mordo. Mordo was a nice guy, and then he turned <laughs> bad at the end. Pete, are we looking at the villain for Doctor Strange 2? I think villain is too simplistic of a categorization here. Uh, Wanda is an Avenger. Wanda is a hero. Wanda is someone we've come to know and love. She's also had a tremendously traumatic existence, and we've been examining that 
both in the larger MCU and now through the scope of this show. Okay, the loss of her parents at the hands of Stark Tech, the loss of her brother at the hands of Ultron uh, after they had been given powers as twins volunteering for these experiments, the loss of Vision twice, once at her own hands at Vision's insistence, then uh, because of Thanos taking the stone and now she's back. And how do you square all of that if you have the ability to manipulate reality? Hmm. WandaVision is the answer. Pete, many people on social media gravitated towards the line that they heard from this episode, <laughs> which is from Hayward, half of my astronauts are still up there in space. Proof that this show also has birthed the Fantastic Four uh, what's your thought on that theory? And, oh, does it change when I tell you that the line is actually, how are the numbers for the astronaut training program? Dismal, lost half my personnel in the blip, and half of those remaining have lost their nerve. So currently right. no people up in space. Your thoughts? Yeah, it's how the text works, is that you read it <laughs> and not what you heard or what you thought. Uh, we know the Fantastic Four are coming. Will they even be astronauts in the uh, MCU remains to be seen. Uh, I imagine they'll be pretty faithful to what we've gotten before comic side. Uh, but that in mind, um, OK, so some astronauts went away. They've come back. Uh, some that remained didn't want to go any into space anymore because Thanos's and other threats. Yet, notice that uh, Monica sees the benefit again because she knows Carol. Um, and again, we've got Captain Marvel two coming. Clearly, uh, Monica will be involved with that. Um, sadly, we know now that uh, Maria is going to succumb to cancer so there's that story to tell as well so all is that all all of that is now on the board officially uh so are there four fantastic astronauts maybe maybe not who knows how they're going to deal with that only only feige and john watts matt where is sword headquarters uh, south of New Jersey. Uh, <laughs> Pete, in fact, I would even bet because some of those New Jersey roads looked awful, looked an awful lot like the, like the, uh, you know, like somewhere in maybe north uh, western Georgia. Um, but yeah, I think. I mean, it doesn't look, you know, again, living in the Garden State as we do, it, it's not a bad substitute for uh, some of the rural parts of New Jersey, but definitely doesn't look like where the the once route two which became route 17 believed to be up in that approximately uh patterson-esque area there in uh, northeastern new jersey uh is so i imagine matt you know astronauts though nasa not name checked that swords gotta be in that canaveral florida area um pete you mentioned options being on the board let's talk literally about the whiteboard yeah let me give you some woo questions why hexagonal shape so that goes back to the comics um and 
Hex, of course. I, I don't need to tell you, uh, but that we seem to be dealing with more with Agnes, perhaps Agatha Harkness, uh, the idea of witchcraft, the Scarlet Witch, everything there. Uh, so that would seem to be the reason for the shape. I found a really interesting article that wasn't meant to be connected to the show, but it was talking about hexagonal shapes in nature. Uh, and Pete, if you could figure bees. out what the common... Yeah, indeed, bees, uh, as well as hexagons are the best way to stack and ship pencils, as well as there's <laughs> foam. and it, it, There's all these hexagons in nature, and I quickly read through it, and I'm like... Here we are. We're back to the numbers in Lost, where if you're a music theory uh, get, person getting your doctorate in, in musicology, you can talk about how the numbers in Lost have a music connection. If you're a physicist, there you go. And if you're a biologist, there you go. And ultimately, ultimately, time will tell. I don't know that we're headed towards the B pencil. I mean, yes, we had the beekeeper, but I don't know that we're headed towards the, you know, in German, hex is six. And Hex also refers to magic and witches. and Well, what, what's not been on the radio? We've established this. And there are no sixes on the, the clock, the clock radios. So, yeah. Pete, back to the whiteboard here. Why sitcoms? <laughs> Comfort food, I think. At least that would seem to be the case. Are we going to find that Wanda, that Pietro, in their youth, watched brady bunch and bewitched and the mary tyler moore show uh remains to be seen but this happy-go-lucky existence contrasted to really again all this trauma that wanda has been through no wonder her reality has been shattered this next woo question i think we have a partial answer to same time and space Ah, I mean, given that they rewind uh, outside, because again, they're recording it, and how long it's going on, I think there's a little bit of uh, wiggle room there, as the story should grant. Um, all right, you get pulled in, you know, you, you move back and forth through it, but who knows what kind of time delay uh, could it be? bigger in there than uh it appears from outside you know vision has suggested they could leave could they go on a road trip and we are now in the bermuda or whatnot i mean is it is it a moving type of situation from the end of the episode wanda saying this is our home that there's some connection there why was it chosen might be a a better question i mean listen there's a lot of tantalizing stuff and i love that Wu's whiteboard in many ways resembles everything we've been chewing over the last three episodes uh, in addition to the things that come out of this episode the amnesia seems to extend for a five mile radius the things that are visible the things that kind of cut off on the whiteboard you know uh it's a phrase that's ended we don't see the beginning of it triangulated to Westview. uh one of the big questions is who's behind this and a potential answer is extraterrestrials in parentheses matt scrolls 
We know there is, of course, a secret invasion show forthcoming to Disney Plus, uh, and that will be part and parcel of that. So, again, the MCU as this just overarching plan, uh, certainly having that on the board. So, is Vision alive? Uh, I say no, change my mind. Also, I'd like to predict <laughs> that we get, since they are a film, since they did film much of this in Georgia, uh, why not go back to that house, oftentimes used in many Georgia productions, uh, shown as Tony Stark's house in Endgame, why not go back there in this show to show moments after Wanda has left the funeral and is reflecting on all the loss? Do we return to the home as she gets an idea and and you know do we get the terrible reveal that this is vision's dead corpse that she has reanimated for a short time but it's not meant to last your thoughts pete well i don't know if you've seen it on social media someone has taken the shot of uh endgame of tony's funeral of wanda uh attending it and superimposed a smiling uh wanda on that shot which is darkly humorous um we discussed it last week and Bettany talked about it. There was discussion of a scene for Endgame of Wanda either in a morgue or with a body bag going to uh, Vision's body. And uh, they chose not to do that. Now, is that something that could still be on the way for this show? It certainly is. Um, it, it seems an awful lot like she is animating his dead body however why would he be questioning the nature of it so there's there's more that the story's going to tell us there and uh it would seem an awful lot like that's going to be the source of of tension coming up what he realizes and then pushing back on this reality that she's created i think the show is lucky in terms of a lot of this could be answered with literal hand-waving magic. Uh, I recall some X-Files episodes where it's like, it's easier to accept uh, unchanging or unaging, gender-switching Amish people who regenerate in a goo basement, get taken away by their alien masters at the end of the episode. That's easier to acknowledge, to, to understand or to accept than... There are LED screens that tell you to kill people, so you do. Like, one is based in such such stuff that's so far out there, you know, alien powers, and you go, okay, I accept. Whereas one is like, that's not how everyday technology works. Uh, same thing here. I, a lot of these questions of how aware is Vision or not, you know, the magic made him believe even if he's dead the magic made him question these things and it doesn't need to be vision from another reality it's just because magic but pete what other theories do you have so has james e Wu officially become a close-up magician <laughs> uh pete undoubtedly and pete i'm glad that you caught that 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 buried reference there that no one else <laughs> I mean, could come figure on. out it it'd be lame if we saw him again and he wasn't at least still trying to do the magic tricks, let alone had mastered one of them. Particularly given, I mean, look, A, he doesn't have a ton to do in this episode. Uh, yes, he's in a great bunch of it. 
but he's either giving exposition or facilitating exposition. Um, also, with all due respect to Kat Dennings, I think on multiple views, you know, she's... Pete, I don't know that she's winning an Oscar in the future, winning an Oscar for playing, you know, the mom who's gone through a terrible tragedy and, and come through a war. And, you know, I don't think that's quite in her wheelhouse. So to then say Kat Dennings is really great at these things over here. And then we're going to give uh, Randall Park some other things. Well, what can he handle? Some of the comedy, some of the non sequitur, uh, funny-ish monologues and things like that. It's just you're using both actors to the best of, to, to, I don't say the best of their abilities. You're playing to the strengths of both actors. And irrespective to both of the franchises they've come from, Thor and Ant-Man, to get put into this show as connections to that larger universe and more of a feature on them. I really respect the, the model that they've taken. Now you think of what it opens up for all these other shows that are coming in terms of both new characters and revisiting old faces. We wanted to see more of, I mean, we've not seen Darcy since Thor, the dark world. Okay. When you go back, Matt, that was season one of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, all of which, all seven seasons that we have available on Apple Podcasts and uh, FantasticGeek.com. I'm glad you mentioned Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because there was somebody on Twitter wishing that they could spin off Jimmy Woo. And I think this person was genuine, Pete, but wishing that they could swim off, spin off Jimmy Woo into some sort of every man goes on missions of the week that's kind of like sci-fi x-files in the marvel cinematic universe and this person getting a bit of roasting to say yeah they did that show it's called agents of shield now pete if you're going to tell me that we're setting up agents of sword in a couple of years i'm all for it but let's not act like somebody else hasn't gotten there first who is Wu's witness the male witness we know it is not Mr. Hart, we know it is not uh, Norm, we know it is not Phil Jones, uh, and again, if it's to be believed, the uh, he, him pronouns here, uh, is there a male that it might be? It's not her either. Pete, I think it's an answer of extremes. Either this is just a, a MacGuffin and... It'll never get mentioned again. It'll be like, oh, look, there's Fred. And Fred is just another person in the show and the excuse to get uh, to get uh, Agent Wu here. Or when we see it's Fred, it's going to be, oh, my goodness, a major, whether it's a major actor in our world or a major character from the MCU. Um, I almost feel like there's the wiggle room to do the latter and to say, oh, my goodness, nobody had any idea that you know, that, that, that blank, that, that whomever moved to Westview, New Jersey as part of the witness protection program and, you know, grew a beard or grew a mustache or whatever it is. And nobody knew that it actually was, you know, uh, uh, Clint Barton or something like that. Well, you heard it here first. That is Fred from the Netherlands. (laughs) Uh, Moving on, Matt, the selective amnesia that the, sheriff of eastview has that the other cop has but not monica rambo or woo 
not knowing where Eastview is. Obviously, no Eastview is west of Westview. Let me back. Let me say that. But not knowing how far the two towns are, I think we can operate under the current possible structure that yes, there's this solid wall. You know, Wanda built a wall and made all the citizens pay for it. Um, but if there is some sort of residual, you know, lesser radiation is how they're scientifically defining it, or in a story sense, if there's a lesser wiggle of the the author's pen to say. And people who are physically connected to this, people who are physically the next town over, they're not living in the sitcom world, but they've forgotten about Westview. And that happens for a <laughs> mile radius because Westview and Eastview are in the middle of nowhere. So by the time you get to other people, they're not going to notice that the town, they'll notice that people, blah, 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 blah. It's enough of this gray area to say, um, it's the one town where it's happening. It's the next town over where it's similarly faded away. And we're far enough away from everything else where we don't need to explore it further. Because as you said earlier, Pete, good writers, some problems you just solve by saying, we don't go over there. We stay here. I wonder if it's a trope that's developing here, Matt. But boy, that Monica Rambeau can't keep from disappearing. Where is the beekeeper? Well, Pete, shades of uh, of the Twilight Zone episode where uh, young Bill Mummy uh, is sending people to the corn uh, the cornfield. Um, you know that that that's the episode. It's a good life. I fear that the beekeeper is dead. Because um, let's just look at what scant evidence that we have. We know that Monica was physically pushed out. We saw that, uh, and she came out the other end. She was pushed out after the beekeeper was dealt with. Um, I'm assuming, given all this, all the peripherals of this joint task force, along with the the lights that we can now definitively infer, uh, illuminate the the perimeter. Can we assume all the way around this five mile circle or hexagon? Um, we can infer that beekeeper guy uh, Franklin did not come out the other end. Therefore, I'm going to assume. Again, it's all sitcoms and it's happy, but we're getting some creepy Twilight Zone mixed in there, and he's he's gone to the cornfield and he's dead. How conscious was Monica inside the hexagon? I think we are going to find out that she was conscious the whole time. Um, and again, to return to a point from earlier, to keep straight in your head, I, let me back up and say, I don't know that the town square stuff is necessarily uh in california shot in the what was it the warner ranch that's got the the sitcom street and whatnot i don't know that it's there but if it is that means that those scenes where she first appears could have been shot much later on after this uh intended break from georgia to los angeles after the unintended span of it due to covid so I suspect, much as I said last week, I suspect that though she might have, in, in the initial recording of these episodes, filming of these episodes, she might have not known. I suspect that, I increasingly suspect that they went back to maybe insert her more into earlier episodes. So this episode wasn't quite as out of the blue. And I think to in that process, I suspect she's been given more agency, more power, more control. And the fact that the fact that she seems to be interacting with Wanda intentionally at the pool club meeting and then 
intentionally forcing herself in last week. Oh, I just need a bucket. Hey, I don't let me tell you a story. Let me not leave. And then works in that Ultron reference. To me, she's in the know. And last for me, Matt, uh, that they can't leave, uh, that they won't leave this area. Is that really the case? I, I buy it. I think the another outstanding question, uh, both outstanding because I'm asking it, and also a question that is has yet to be resolved. How much do the townspeople know? I think that I think that if Monica knew what was what, can we assume that others have some sort of glimmer as well, and they're all living there in terror again? Very much, it's a good life, Twilight Zone style. Um, Agnes notwithstanding, she's the big X factor. But if everybody else is in the know, for the Doctor to be saying, nay, pleading with Vision, uh, although it didn't come come off as a plea, but pleading, uh, pleading, pleading to Vision, saying, you know, can't you let us out? We're all trapped here. Help us. You know, she's the monster. Wanda is the monster. Um, I think shades of that, and and it's just suggestive of this bright, fun comedy is actually a, a terrible tragedy for all these people who are trapped. Well, not trapped, Matt, and definitely invited are the people of patreon.com slash fantasticgeek. Indeed, the the border from uh, our Patreon page you know, to it and out again, it's super easy. You can click to join. If you, if, you, if you want, you can click to unjoin as well, although we do love it when people hang around there. Uh, but all that support keeping us listener-supported to all of the things that we do. Yes, the focus for now is WandaVision. Before too long, to be ramping up that Falcon and the Winter Soldier podcast, Loki not far behind. And then in our rearview mirror, of course, uh, Star Trek Discovery, even going back to last summer, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, Star Trek Picard, Pete now like a year old at this point. So the past and the future all merging there on Patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek. So uh, you tell us the value you place on this podcast. Takes just a dollar to get into Westview, as it were, Matt. And then all sorts of things you will only find in there uh things that may eventually show up elsewhere things that will forever remain behind that curtain so get yourself to patreon.com slash fantastic geek today Last call for our listeners to share their thoughts. And Pete, we're going to start with our traditional poll. What did you think of this week's widescreen WandaVision? Uh, lots of voters in it. We had uh, less than 2% voted meh uh, with one applause emoji. Pete, I'm going to assume that's by somebody who either misclicked or <clears throat> doesn't like to see uh, Tiana Paris and Randall Park in the lead of this episode, if you get what I'm saying. Um, two claps medium got no votes. Three claps marvelous got fourteen point five percent, and then four star uh, four claps magnificent got uh, almost eighty four percent of the vote. So this is a very very uh, highly resonating episode with our listeners. Let's go to some of the Twitter comments. First one up from the ever wise Noel Gardner. That's at Noel Camille, uh, and she says the frantic nature of the unsnapping was amazing. Finding out the timeline was good, three weeks since the blip. 
Agent Wu and his up-close magic was hilarious. The whiteboard has all our theories. No IDs for Agnes or Dottie. That break back to reality with Vision's true form, mind-blown emoji. Who's in control? And more importantly, who is Wu's witness? One last thing. Dr. Lewis, you tell him, Darcy. Uh, second to last thing, the episode title, We Interrupt This Program, can go so many ways. There's so much to unpack. Pete, hopefully we've unpacked a great deal of it here. I, I think the, the show's slow burn, the water cooler that we get to have, uh, both with our listeners and the people we interact with on social media, as well as the audience, all a really deliberate choice. Yeah, I think there's a bit of selective amnesia going on in terms of they didn't give us answers right away like they did with Game of Thrones, Lost, <laughs> Westworld, The Sopranos, 24. Like, all of these things have a slower burn. Let's just rely. And in the third week, they gave us when, where, some shape of how, some suggestions of why. I mean, we're... we're we're notching all the things here. Pete, we have a couple of tweets here from JT Atkins. That's at JTA is me. Uh, he, of course, who in the prior week had said that he thinks Wanda is controlling the simulation uh, because it's not Wanda Vision, as in both names in the, the, the title. It's Wanda's television show. Um, and then, so with that uh, reminded to everyone, he said... Uh, I'm not usually good at guessing with twists and turns ahead of time. Do I get a prize? Pete, the prize is hearing from him. It is our prize to receive. He also said, I'll admit that the opening scene with Monica's return from the snap got me choked up. Amazing performance by Tiana Paris. There was something very personal and intense about experiencing uh, the way that one person, even someone from S.W.O.R.D. who is tuned in to strange events, would be overwhelmed by napping five years away and all that she missed. While the now seamless connections to the MCU are fun, it's more than that. The show is firing on all cylinders, and I'm enjoying every moment. Next up is Andre Yeager. That's at Dr. Polo 1983. We re-watching the first four episodes again, and I picked up a couple of things. One, all the intros, uh, in all the intros, Wanda and Vision are framed in hexagons. Comic reference for her power. Two, Agnes grabbed her purse when Vision started flying in episode two, like she was about to pull something out. Uh, so, some things to keep an eye on there. Pete, we heard from James the Sagacious, that's at Big Kiln on Twitter. Uh, just like a weekend, it's over too quickly. Wu and Darcy have sitcom chemistry, which is not an accident. Lieutenant uh, Trouble slash Blip payoffs were amazing. Uh, a whole multi-decade storyline for S.W.O.R.D. Hopefully it plays into Captain Marvel 2. Can't wait to hear everything I missed. Pete, we know this much, right? Some of this must play into Captain Marvel 2, where Tiana Paris's Monica Rambeau will appear. Oh, undoubtedly. And that we're this far out, and we begin to essentially move into that story space... Yeah, I mean, it, it's a great, big, connected universe, the same way it always has been. It is interesting to think, too, when we got the five-year jump uh, in Endgame, it was like, oh, man, it's like in the future. I can't quite get my head, around, head wrapped around that. We now have, you know, well, I should say, then after that, you know, we've had, we would have had, we will have the Black Widow flashback movie. Um all of this is facilitating the passage of time, the delayed release of this show of uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. 
all kind of facilitating the fact that we're closer to 2023 and oh in all this time since the time jump at least for this show how far have we gone not much farther since the past of endgame you know like we're still kind of stuck in that 2023 uh, date and I would assume we will be for the next show and Loki time jump, so maybe maybe as well. But anyhow, Pete, let's hear, hear from Hail Hydra. That's at Hydra underscore lives. D-blipping effect was mind-blowing, as well as the accompanying confusion. Better than what we saw in Far From Home. And Private Snarky uh, giving Monica some, sna- some sass when her badge didn't work. Fired. Darcy, woo. This real world catch-up was perfect. Marvel Studios at its best. And can somebody get Darcy a coffee? She only found the biggest clue with an embedded TV signal. And Jimi Hendrix. Not sure if Wanda is in control or just has the illusion of control. Ooh, that's interesting. Dottie or Agnes holds uh, hold the key, but the inclusion of Vision post-death does lean towards Wanda. Arg, the suspense is killing me and I love it. Next up, Pete, is from Spider-Ham Lincoln. That's at TessLC139. Uh, highlights from this episode, dusted slash blipped returnees. What a great peek into how it all happened. Sword HQ, Photon, Monica meets Wu. Kat Dennings, another wonderful connection to the MCU. Hashtag it's all connected. And I love how she's watching the WandaVision TV show. Uh, also, IDing uh, many Westview inhabitants as prisoners of the alternate reality. This episode was great and necessary filler. Who controls Westview? Wanda, another entity. Love this mystery. It's so good to have some Marvel back, and this show was worth the wait. Uh, let's circle back uh, for to a moment for a moment to Andre Yeager, who had added, "I needed this episode to be one hour. So much great information was conveyed. Love the blip scene, and Darcy and Wu are a perfect pair. I still don't think that Wanda is the big bad. Someone else pulling the strings started the whole thing. This is a six-hour movie." Um, I don't know, Pete, I'm squarely Wanda is the villain of the show and Wanda is the villain of Doctor Strange too, but time will tell. We heard from Jordavision, that's Mighty underscore Jor. The episode opening sequence was amazing. It made the blip feel as terrifying as the snap. At the end of the episode, it seems like we got a look behind the curtains and Vision looked uncomfortable with Wanda and the twins. Did you get that sense as well? And I had agreed on Twitter as well as here on the podcast. And last, Pete, we heard from LMD Mary, that's at Geek Kirk, who says that cold opening with the lines from Captain Marvel playing over her undusting and the words Lieutenant Trouble right as she comes fully back. OMG. Getting to see the chaos of everything returning. Perfect. Look at Sword. Fine. Nothing overly exciting. Jimmy Woo using that close up magic he learned from the same site as Scott. What a perfect detail. Delighted over Darcy being back, and what a long way our little political science intern has come. A fully-fledged doctor of astrophysics now. Uh, I'll add Pete. Yeah, I think interacting with interstellar portals and seeing the gods of old return might (laughs) might have you change your major. Uh, Then to wrap up for Mary here, interesting what is a broadcast has a lot more editing than inside the show. And that reveal of the whole scene where Monica is ejected, chilling, cannot wait for more. Yeah, I mean, the show has lived up to everything we thought that it would. And in the beginning of this episode, which they told us ahead of time, would be a game changer. I I guess they left the end out of that. Pete, what do you have there from Facebook? 
Greg Gear wrote into the Fantastic Geek Facebook page, and he says, Hey guys, so I'm three episodes into WandaVision, and this is the first chance I've had to collect my thoughts, so here goes. This is a multi-layered onion, so I'm going to start at the center. The shows within the show. Boy, they are really nailing these initial episodes. A lot of times when TV series try to mimic older sitcoms, they end up winking at the source material or commenting on it. There is none of that here. The writing and acting are all legit in the style of the three different sitcoms, but with the added difficulty of subtly layering in the overarching mystery. And if you find sitcoms funny, uh, there have been some legit funny moments. Paul Bettany playing the ukulele. Paul Bettany acting drunk. Paul Bettany changing diapers. Hmm, I'm sensing a pattern here. Which is not to take away from Elizabeth Olsen, who is crushing it. A couple of things I noticed that I haven't heard mentioned yet. The first episode set was a virtual recreation of the Petrie House from the Dick Van Dyke Show. The geography was exact, and I read somewhere that they pulled the old set designs from the archives. Uh, the second episode's interior set was close to the Stevens house from Bewitched, but wasn't exact. There were a few discrepancies. But in the third episode, while the elements of the Brady house were absolutely recreated perfectly, they were in a different configuration. For example, the staircase was going in a different direction than the original set. Is this intentional or does it represent a weakening of whatever reality this is? I am looking forward to rewatching this series when it is complete and picking over the Easter eggs to determine whether they are clues to the larger mystery or simply bonuses for the comic book fans. Speaking of clues, Geraldine was the name of a character from the 70s Flip Wilson show. Uh, her catchphrase was, the devil made me do it. Coincidence? It is interesting that a lot of the Mephesto discussions after episode two uh, were non-existent after episode three. Okay, pulling back to one higher level, I am... Uh, I have some questions and theories. To be clear, I am loving, all caps, this show and the sitcom style, but it does raise some questions in the reality of the show. We can assume that Wanda is either trapped inside this construct, I won't call it a framework, or she has created it herself. However, um, why would a 20-something woman from Sokovia choose old-time American sitcoms as a reality? Even if she was aware of them, I doubt they would be her first choice for comfort. See my previous points about Sokovian frames of reference. And even more importantly, why do they keep changing it? Is it to keep Wanda off balance? Is this an aspect of Wanda's chaos magic lastly jimmy woo is an fbi agent is the fbi opposing sword working with them if so against whom whatever the answers i am loving the mysteries and looking forward to the next episode on a side note while your bumper music is always top notch the selections for this podcast are damn near 
perfect. Keep up the fantastic with the PH. He writes, work, guys. Excelsior! Well, great thoughts there. Thanks for the uh, thanks for the input as to the the segment sounds. That was a uh, a lot of discussion, and it evolved late. I don't know, late in the late, late in the home stretch to to find the perfect thing. As for this ultimate discussion, though, of whether Wanda is prisoner or jailer, um, I don't know. I just continue to land on the idea that this is her doing. Uh, why do the decades keep changing? One thought that comes to mind is um, towards the end of each episode, there's some sort of problem with where they're at, you know, kind of almost akin to uh, to uh, Quantum Leap, you know, this hasn't worked or this has worked in the case of Quantum Leap. Now there must be the next jump, you know, stuff. Mr. Hart needs rescuing. Could that precipitate the change? Um, the fact that the beekeeper appears in the next one, could that precipitate the change and so forth? Um, Pete, I, I I don't know. Time will tell. I think that I think that that's a great question that I would expect answers in the coming episodes. Robert T. Frost responded to Greg's post here. Greg, you pointed out two possibilities for Wanda: a, she's trapped in a construct, or b, she's created one herself. Here's a third: someone made a construct, and Wanda is voluntary voluntarily he says voluntary remaining in it question mark uh maybe a version of barf a binary augmented uh retro framing that tony used for therapy p.s since it was falling down this rabbit hole i started thinking about monica rambo aka geraldine and agnes's statement that geraldine doesn't have a home in westview was monica flying the sword helicopter trying to penetrate that bubble and either the construct or Wanda's magic turn the helicopter into the toy and Monica into Geraldine so as to fit into the reality we see. Uh, Greg responded here, that's a great idea, Bob. It's especially telling because we see Monica in the helicopter in the same episode. And that, of course, Matt, was all left on our Fantastic Geek Facebook page prior to the airing of this most recent episode. So that discussion, just another proof, uh, piece of proof that you want to be over on fantasticgeek.com or um, Facebook uh, dot com slash fantastic geek get all that discussion in yeah great to see so much sleuthing going on there with our listeners uh, on social media steve adams writes into facebook i have to give credit to the folks at marvel and lucasfilm they managed to come up with episode titles that really set a mood for what we are about to watch without giving the whole plot away the tragedy in the mandalorian and now we interrupt this program This was a wild episode. Before the show premiered, I thought Wanda had constructed this reality to cope with her grief over losing Pietro and Vision. After this episode, I think it is actually much worse than that. Wanda is actually the big bad in this story, so agrees with you here, Matt. Seeing how many people she has trapped in her altered reality lends a much more frightening scope to the series after seeing how she literally ejected monica from westview uh you have to think she will do the same to anyone else who questions her 
or the surroundings, including Vision himself. I think he is in quite a bit of danger as he seems to be increasingly aware that something is wrong. I did quite enjoy the effect of the blipped people coalescing as the effects of Endgame spread. I thought it was handled well, especially the personal touch of Monica finding out about her mom. While watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I wondered how the fall of S.H.I.E.L.D. would ultimately play out in the MCU, and we get uh, S.W.O.R.D. as a result. Although it seems S.W.O.R.D. was well-established before the fall of S.H.I.E.L.D., I wondered if that will be addressed. Uh, Darcy and Wu were great additions as well. It is nice to see they actually have something to contribute to the story. I am likely going to need a few days to completely wrap my head around this episode for a massive info dump. This episode was a total game changer. Until next time, true believers, stay fantastic with the PH there, Matt. I will disagree that sword appears to have been started before the fall of shield the fall of shield was 2014 uh and we have the the heavy um suggestion here that that monica rambo in the years leading up to her death helped uh helped put sword together perhaps even as a post thanos or post kind of you know toward more towards the Infinity War uh, area of the timeline, you know, 2017, 2018, somewhere in there, um, that, that Sword was, it, it's implied that Sword was built as a response to that kind of stuff. So I think that we have enough crisscross to go, crisscross within the MCU for the powers that be to say, uh, Shield was bad, boo Hydra. Oh, wait, we need kind of something like that, but let's make them more space based uh, and, and we'll call them something different. To Apple Podcast, Matt, where, boy, did we have a big week. Uh, indeed, yeah. Apparently lots of uh, lots of ratings and reviews to share, huh? Yes, the first left by Cubone and Natu Trainer Lannister fan. Say that three times fast. Five stars. The headline is wow and question marks. And it reads seen all three episodes of WandaVision and it is cute, very mysterious, funny, and by the end of the episode leaves me wanting more. From the get-go, I knew that something was wrong uh, when they didn't know the simplest of details regarding their marriage. But episode two really ramped up the feeling and something isn't right when Wanda notices things. Episode three confirmed it for both. Uh, It's interesting how each episode jumps a decade. Episode one had the hallmarks of the 50s television shows. Episode two was the 60s. And now episode three is the 70s. Will episode four be in the 80s? Will the neighbors be able to tell uh, Vision about what they know about Westview? Is the name of the twins how MCU wants to introduce the idea of the Young Avengers as their next major Avengers film. Who is monitoring Wanda and Vision? What does this organization want from them? Who else will be making appearances via advertisements? We've seen Stark Industries, Baron Von, Strucker, and Hydra. Great question there and a great kind of conclusion that the show has given us in terms of is not the fourth episode going to be about the fourth decade, the 80s, just as we got this pattern down pat 
uh, here the show has completely blown it up. So the expectation of the six decades, which leaves us three more episodes at the end to have full Marvel movie. You know, we got a 25-minute Marvel movie here. So do we return to the sitcom style part and parcel next week? Do we now just have a have a mix back and forth? You know, they've changed the formula of the show four episodes in. Artistic Integrity uh, writes a five-star review here. Solid information. And it reads, I really appreciate a podcast where the hosts are so knowledgeable of the MCU universe. I am familiar but no expert. This podcast has already greatly enhanced my WandaVision viewing experience. Glad that we can show our knowledge. Pete, I'm just waiting for Superman and Arrow to show up. What? <laughs> Next review left by Elab32. The headline is very good, five stars, and it reads, very good podcast, everything I need to know about this Marv. I think Elab32 meant to write Marvel. Uh, Marv universe I can find here. Good job, guys. Thank you so much there. The next from Hemi Man, great pod, five stars, and simply, great job, boys. Well, thank you for those kind words. B.F. Frantini uh, leaves a five-star review here. Thank you. Thank you. You guys do a great job explaining this to this casual, uh, fairly casual MCU fan. I've never seen anything other than the movies and read no comics. Thanks for bringing this down to earth for me. And as we discussed in the plot of this episode part of the Marvel brand is you don't need to be invested in every little last thing. Uh, Pete, I even think back to Black Panther when somebody in the audience said, you know, saw Bucky and said, oh, that's Captain America's friend. Yes, much story has taken place since then, but if you're you're just joining the Bucky arc at the end of Black Panther, yeah, it's Captain America's friend. That's actually exactly where he's going to pick up in the next movie. So all are welcome to the MCU. Jay Killen 9, that has to be uh james killen of course the sagacious leaves a five-star review here marvel all caps lists uh and it reads this is my favorite and he spells it with a ph podcast for the marvel trek star wars universes and wait pete there's more the social relevance and creative critique are seamlessly woven into the fun also with a ph don't be left out subscribe now well thank you james your words and your listenership always appreciated mrs ryan 1010 writes a great listen four out of five stars and it reads i'm not a comic reader but i enjoy the mcu i love the knowledge that these guys drop the theories are backed up and well thought out I don't tend to listen to the play-by-play of the episode in the beginning, but love the theories, commentary, and details they point out. If you can't get enough WandaVision, this podcast gets you through the week to the next episode. Keep up the great work, guys. Carol. Pete, I I understand that maybe our recaps are uh, are what cost us the fifth and final star there, so so no harm, no foul there. I know that uh, I feel like every recap is more than just us going through the plot. It's also an opportunity to talk about perhaps acting choices, camera moves, sound design, music elements, and things like that. So not squarely 
you know, why is there a hexagonal shape kind of discussion, but I think part of the milieu of TV and film production. Eccles Eccles writes in great pod looking forward to discovering their other shows five stars and the review reads intriguing informed discussion of Marvel's new WandaVision show Matt and Pete have interesting plot theories and the podcast is fairly well produced and performed hadn't heard of Fantastic Geek before this but enjoying it pleased to learn that they have other shows where they've been reviewing uh, Star Trek Discovery, Picard, Lower Decks, and Mando. Looking forward to checking them all out. All of that, if you search Apple Podcasts for Fantastic Geek, Fantastic with a PH, or visit FantasticGeek.com and on many other podcast providers. Isaac, a.k.a. Fat Dog, writes in Great Pod, five stars, And his review reads, I had a couple of things I thought I'd point out. Dottie does not have a scar after cutting her hand on the glass. You can clearly see her hand later at the talent show. Make of that what you will. Also, she is glamour and he is illusion. Illusion. At one point when he is gummed up, she even corrects him saying, I'm glamour and you are illusion. So are they telling us uh, all uh, of it is in her head? Last thing, the end of episode three, the song that's played is called Daydream Believer. Again, pointing to the theory that it's all in her head. Just some little things I thought were interesting. Again, I love this podcast. Great observation there. You can't get much more kind of underlining with a story arrow to say uh, to say that she has called Vision an illusion. I mean, that's that's troubling if you want Vision to last after this uh, bunch of nine episodes. Hoppert59 writes in, great listens, five stars. Big Marvel fan, and the way they break down each episode is awesome. Well done. Thank you for those kind words, good sir. Mattis Man, uh, 0808, great analysis, five stars, and reads simply the analysis I needed. There you go. Glad to bring it each week. Dr. Steve T writes in, these guys really are fantastic with a PH, five stars. This WandaVision podcast isn't another, just another offering from these two podcasters. They take pride in podcasting every all caps Marvel thing high-quality knowledge, and insight. Indeed, Pete, glad to keep the MCU streak alive here with Fantastic Geek. Finally, Matt, a review left to the Fantastic Geek podcasting pop culture uh, podcast uh, feed, but reflects certainly for this. Wes0414 writes in, no fluff, five stars. I love these guys. They are intelligent and know the material they speak of. I listen primarily to for anything Star Trek, Star Wars, and MCU related. I've listened to other podcasts, but most are too silly for my taste. These guys are succinct, to the point, and the exposition they give is on point. I just wish I didn't have to wait a week to listen again. Gentlemen, I appreciate you. Let's fly. Thank you for that review and a great reminder that all that we do, uh, whether it's 
you know, spread out uh, amongst the Star Trek Discovery feed or Picard, you know, upcoming stuff for Falcon, the Winter Soldier, Loki, and so forth. It all uh, launches simultaneously to that uh, pop culture podcast by Fantastic Geek feed. Uh, so if you want not just the one show, if you want it all, that's the place you could subscribe. Pete, one more bit of feedback here. The, the, uh, the place of pride, the, the final email of the uh, of the podcast here uh, we heard from 084 who says as follows we wanted answers we got them the scene at the start with monica unsnapping into complete chaos was everything i wanted and more the episode could have been complete garbage after that and i would still call it a winner but since it was decidedly not complete garbage i'll keep talking so many tidbits about the rambo family and its sword origins and lo- and i loved every second of it I also loved how Darcy spent the last 10 years since we've uh, seen her following in Jane's footsteps and becoming a doctor. My little continuity-loving heart has grown three sizes this day. I don't want to over-ramble, but something clear that stuck out to me is that Dottie and Agnes weren't identified by the task force in this episode. That definitely points to the Agatha and Mephisto theory for those two. Interesting, Pete. Is this the first time somebody has suggested that Dottie is Mephisto? Um, I've, I've seen a little bit of that going around i mean again he's the not, devil we were told right yeah not not fully understanding uh the story they're telling at this point it could certainly be that mephisto could appear female is female back to 084 we go herb being identified as a real person might unfortunately rule him out as the high evolutionary unfortunately q sad trombone there's much more I want to gush about from this episode, but I'll cut it off there. So freaking excited. Until next time, Pete, that from 084. Can Herb still become high evolutionary? I, I wouldn't rule it out. And even that they've potentially reached for as deep cut a reference as that, again, tells you what we're swinging at. Also, too, in the context, yes, as we've said many times before, this show was not meant to be first. Falcon was going to be first. But after Endgame, you know, the, 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 the sweet dessert was far from home. Then the intention was a flashback movie. Then I've lost track at this point, Pete. I think we would have had Shang-Chi, I think. But I mean, again, point being, we're kind Eternals. of... Eternals. Uh, Eternals in the mix as well. I think that we were... We were meant to have some time off from the main Earth-based MCU and that Falcon and the Winter Soldier and this were meant to restart that. Um, And the fact that the order has been shifted around doesn't change the fact that I kind of see this show and I'm expecting Falcon to be a restart of sorts. So I think maybe it immediately connecting to anything and everything into the largest connections might not come to pass, but I don't know. Oftentimes I am wrong. Uh, But Pete... Let's talk about what's right. How can people talk to you on Twitter? Matt, you can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J, Ketelar, K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 11,762 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more facebook.com slash fantastic geek with the ph all one word like it today with that pete wrapping up our january podcasting adventure can't wait to be back next sunday to talk wandavision episode five on 
unless, of course, mysterious breaking news happens between then and now. But for now, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. Maybe I can get that coffee now? <laughs>